Well, you made it! You're finally here! Welcome to Half Cocktails, a place where we have a great time celebrating science, the social contract, and just plain old congeniality. Dare I say, a place where we seek a path to peace, prosperity, and exploration amongst the stars. I'm your friend and host, Dan, the worshipping Dionysus man, sipping on some science today with a dapper and dandy drink. With me today, bringing us the simple secret trick that baseball umpires don't want you to know about is the amazing Ron. Ron, how are you doing today, son? Sir? I am doing excellent, Dad. <laughs> I, I mean, dude. Yeah, that's how drunk I am. Ha, uh, good <laughs> it's day. a good, good day. day it's a good day. Uh, Post-Thanksgiving weight gain achieved? Uh, yeah, I think I'm about plus six the last two, over the last two weeks. Easy, so. easy. Yeah, I, I... And I'm not done yet. I put on my loose pants this morning and they were not loose, so I know I'm doing something right. We got a really fun and informative show for you today, brought to you by Wayne Enterprises, formerly Wayne Corp, making Gotham a brighter place for the common man. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about strange signals from outer space, giant bat penises, or peni. What's 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 the plural penis? Cocks, giant bat cocks. That's it. That sounds too much like spatchcock. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about bi- We're going to be talking about bats with giant male reproductive organs. We'll have some fact checking. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick look back at the Coconut Grove fire, happened November twenty eighth, nineteen forty two. And of course, we do encourage you to reach out to us at halfcockedtails at gmail dot com. Or maybe you, you want to give us a phone call or send us a text message to 443-499-8253. But be careful, uh, we do use anything you reach out with as fodder for the show right here on this segment, uh, which, uh, you know, no messages this week, Ron. What are you going to do? Oh, man, that's a bummer. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming everybody was uh, eating Thanksgiving and they were too busy, just like I was. Must be. Like I was. <sighs> All right. Well, I I gotta I gotta say I I'm I'm just really thrilled to hop in to this time machine. Shall we hop into the time machine? Let's do that. Nothing would be better than a look at days of yesterday or time machine. We did the time machine before the the news, right? Why not? That's how good I'm feeling. I'm like, hey, Ron, what's the sequence of the show I wrote? <laughs> right? You know, there's all <laughs> there's also that other time machine we can talk about that happened tomorrow and back in 1970, and that was that Flowing Wells Witch Trial. Oh, you recall that one? That's right, and we had talked about that. Yeah, the Flowing Wells Witch Trial. I totally, I totally spaced that, Ron, and and you'd let me know about that. Uh, uh, why don't you introduce that was, uh, no, was that November 27th, 1970. Yeah. Why don't you introduce that one? And then I'll talk about the coconut grove fire here in a little bit. Well, t- tell us, Ron and I are both from, from Tucson, you see, and flowing wells is a school district and a, and a high school in Tucson that my wife actually graduated from. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I came across this online and some local folks reminiscing about the old days and someone shared a newspaper article, a little clipping about this thing, the flowing wells, witch trial. And no one else within that, that Facebook group uh, had any remembrance of this incident from that era, but evidently it was a a 
a whole chain of events that uh, led to a, a teacher getting fired from her position because the students had spread a rumor that she was a witch. Um, and it, it all uh, started from her uh, bringing a, a professor from the University of Arizona in to come talk to her students about folklore, witchcraft, things like that. And he described the physical characteristics of a, a witch of that era that people would have been looking for. And she joked, ha, ah, the kind of, kind of, uh, kind of like me, right? I look, I fit that description. And the students started whispering. And over the course of a couple of years, uh, it became one of those urban legend, common knowledge falsehoods, um, that everyone just believed. And, uh, the parents went to the school board and got her removed from her position. And evidently it, uh, it went up, uh, went into through some uh, court cases and, uh, she was, uh, I guess, offered her position back or something like that. But there's no not much information about uh, what finally happened to her. Uh, but her name was uh, Anne Stewart. And she was a tenured teacher. Yeah, just ridiculous how much rumor, innuendo, and fear of, of witchcraft in the at that point, the 20th century. Um, it's kind of an odd thing to everyone to freak out about. But, you know, it does sound a lot like something that could happened today with uh, some of the crazies running school boards around this country yeah yeah the what it wouldn't be a witch right because because nowadays the, she could sue for religious freedom yeah, right 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 she'd be like you know what i witch or no i i have the right to be what i am so fuck off uh i feel like like she would she would get uh, some aclu support i would hope now it would be someone who you know the the teacher's woke mom we have to get her fired yeah that that and that even that feels more pointed than and and like specific right. than than the the whole uh i yeah yeah okay i've got the i've got the description the whole fitting the description blonde hair a widow's peak green or blue eyes a preference for wearing devil's green a shade between chartreuse and lime and a pointed left ear. What? Sounds like a witch to me. <laughs> Green or blue eyes? Well, you know, witches, they're not too picky on eye color. But hair color, widow's peak, and the left pointed ear, very specific. But we let them have green or blue eyes. I love that. <laughs> this and, and, and she was quoted as saying, I never said I was a witch. I told the students I had the physical characteristics of a witch. And they chose to believe I was one. This is just a fun fucking rumor. You, you spread in high school, right? With your friends, like, well, she's a witch. Like, ha, 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 yeah, I heard she's a witch. She's got that pointed left ear. Oh, oh. Miss, Miss Stewart. What the fuck? And she got fired. And she even had her, her fellow uh, teachers calling for her removal as well. So there may have been some other things happening beneath the surface there, too. Yeah, right. Like, she's just a completely angry, manipulative, mean person. Like, and a bad teacher. And they're like, well, and like, oh, there's a rumor going around. She's a witch. We can use this to get rid of her. <laughs> she, she's tenured. How else are we going to do it? How would it look if we had a witch teaching sixth grade? Or, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, stories like like this always make me think, well, if she was a witch, she was a really shitty one because she couldn't even use her powers to save herself. Very, very true. Or smite her enemies. Or smite her enemies. Yeah, right, right. Like, okay, I can't save myself, but you're <laughs> definitely getting turned into a toad. But no. That, that would have been an epic way for a teenager to run away. <laughs> like, to, to leave a box with a toad and a note being like, I'm turning into a toad. It, it was Mrs. Stewart. She did it. <laughs> and, like, run away. 
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, fuck that town. And I hope Mrs. Stewart goes down. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> shocking that in 1971, there was a modern-day witch 1971? This went to court. What it the hell? It went to court. Good Lord. No. Oh. I fully respect anyone's right to religiously be a witch. However, if you claim you've got magic powers, you're going to need to prove that. I believe it was Show the Carl goods. Sagan that said the, the bigger the claim, the bigger the evidence, right? You need, you need for, for a claim like that, you're going to need some real solid fucking proof to get me to believe it. And I want to believe it. I yes. really do. Yeah. Show me the Show money. Me the money. Okay, well, a much sadder note. Uh, Ron, are you familiar with the Coconut Grove fire in uh, Boston? You know, I absolutely am not. Uh, tell me more. Yeah, this was not the fire I thought it was when I was like, oh, I'll read up on that and talk about that. Uh, this, So the Coconut Grove is a nightclub in Boston, Massachusetts. Was, there's, excuse me, uh, I believe there's a, 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 a civil ordinance that you can't have any uh, uh, nightclub in Boston named Coconut Grove after this. Uh, 1942, November 28, uh, 492 people died in a fire at the Coconut Grove. It, uh, I, I believe it's the second highest fire deaths in America, uh, the highest being the Iroquois Theater Fire in Chicago. Uh, so, so Coconut Grove was this nightclub that was started in uh, 1927 during Prohibition by a couple of musicians, or a couple of orchestra leaders, right? Uh, it, w- it quickly became a speakeasy. I think when you're starting... Uh, uh, two orchestra leaders starting a nightclub in Prohibition. I'm pretty sure it started a, a speakeasy, but I can't prove that. That's just, that's my gut. <laughs> that's usually the order of things. <laughs> they lost control of it pretty quickly. Uh, their mafia financiers took control of the club. Go figure. Uh, in 1931, the gangland boss named Charles King Solomon uh, was gunned down in the men's room of Roxbury's Cotton Club. And, uh, oh, he, t- he owned from 31 to 33. Then it pa- ownership passed to his lawyer, Barney Walensky. I think at that point, it's just, you're, you're, I calling him a lawyer is, is secondary. Like, it's just passed on to the next mob <laughs> guy, right? Big gangland hangout, got, grew in popularity, grew in popularity, and it became kind of like, where the rich and powerful came to play celebrities would be coming in to, to hang out and they would like the mater D would announce them. So if you were like sitting there eating and having drinks, it would be like Mr. Clark Gable. And then, you know, what Clark Gable walks in and gets his table, <laughs> like the opposite of what they do today. <laughs> right. Don't, don't let anybody know I'm here. I just want to get a meal. Like, no, 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 You're no. Sneaking through the kitchen. No, no, no. This is back <laughs> in the day where it's like, do you know who the fuck I am? Give me the biggest table in the center. Everybody needs to know I'm here. Respect, bitches. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> come, come and kiss my ring. Uh, now, now this club, as it got more and more successful, um, <clears throat> I should, I should note, uh, it was built in like an industrial side of town, and it was a repurposed brick building that was that. Uh, 
I believe at one time it was like some sort of like factory. It was like industrial area that they had repurposed. So let me guess, probably not up to fire codes for hosting large numbers of people. You know what, Ron? I think you're I, on I, the right track. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 kept adding rooms. Uh, they the they had a basement room that was like dimly lit, and it was a real island theme. So they took all the pillars, like the, the concrete pillars and stuff, and like decorated them to be palm trees. Uh, and then they, they had it nice. all along the walls. So you like, you came in and it felt like you were going all of a sudden into some tropical Island. Like it was very, very heavily decorated. And the, uh, that, that, uh, lawyer, <laughs> Barney Wolanski, who, uh, would, uh, he, he sought more of a mainstream image, but he would privately boast to both ties to the mob and the Boston mayor. Uh, he was known to run a tight ship and hire like street toughs for buff bus boys and waiters and bouncers <laughs> and to prevent people from uh, dine and dashing. He locked up exits, even bricking some of them <laughs> up. He just bricked them up. So this, this ex garage warehouse, oh, no. brick concrete death trap, <laughs> death trap, super popular uh you know a lot of leatherette rattan bamboo tropical stuff dark blue satin canopies and covers on the ceilings even you know just just filled with people the the day it happened the boston college football team had 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 planned their celebration party to to go at the coconut grove but they lost so they canceled it uh which the mayor himself a Boston College fan had planned to go to the Grove, canceled his plans when they lost. Fortuitous. The headlining act that night, Arthur Blake, a female impersonator. I shit you not, the headlining uh. act in 1942 at the hottest fucking club in Boston was a drag show. How about that? And yet today we're like, gotta ban them drag shows. Like, come on. This has been, get, get the fuck over it. People dress in, in costume. Some men like to dress like women. Some women like to dress like men. It's nothing new. How much Monty Python would we be without if we couldn't do drag? Oh, God. All right. Right. Well, Shakespeare. <laughs> we wouldn't even have Shakespeare. Uh, so uh, uh, also, so, so that night, it's estimated more than 1,000 people were crowded into this space, which had actually been raided. For a maximum of 460. So they did rate it, but it was, so we got over twice as many people to see Arthur Blake, mm -hmm. you know, female impersonator. Props. Famous for his female impersonations, uh, particularly those of Betty Davis, Carmen Miranda, and Eleanor Roosevelt. Interesting. This guy, like, you, yeah, look, look him up. He was actually in movies and stuff. Like, it was, it was a big deal. Well, the Wenlinski, the, the Bob Lawyer guy, uh, was actually recovering from a heart attack in a, a private room at the hospital uh, on the night of the fire. So he wasn't there either. Yeah, I know. Recovering from a heart attack seems like a pretty good cover story. <laughs> now, there have been disputes over to what over what caused the fire. However, I did. I, the, the, we do have many corroborating eyewitness accounts, and they they seem to back up uh, what uh, this this bus boy named uh, Stanley Tomasuski. 16 year old bus boy he was he was claimed to have started the fire the uh, uh that that lounge beneath in the basement they call it the melody lounge mm -hmm. it you know it was nothing but electric light bulbs down there and two people down there smooching 
undo one of the light bulbs so they get a little more privacy, right? Right. This They get this busboy kid, this some street tough, you know, that's who they hire. And they're like, hey, kid, go down there and uh, get that light working again. And he can't see. So he lights a match and then he can see, screws it in. It's the match out, and the, this this is this is the story that's that's disputed. People say, well, that match had to have been what what started uh, the the fire. And the witnesses first saw flames in the palm fronds just below the ceiling of, of the fake palm trees. So the official report did determine that the kid's actions could not be found to be the source of the fire because the the first flames were everybody reported seeing them in the palm fronds. Which mm-hmm. so the official story was entered in the records of this department as being of unknown origin. Like so, the fire department officially was like, "Yeah, we don't know." They could people could not get the fire to go out with water, and it just started spreading along the palm fronds of the palm tree decorations. So in a final desperate attempt to, to separate the fire from the ceiling, they pulled the decoration away from the corner and it took a, a piece of plywood panel at the ceiling level with it. Oh, no. And it opened up the enclosed space above the fa- false ceiling. And then the, the fire got up to the false ceiling and just really started moving. Uh, started showering people with sparks and fat burn, you know, sh- burning shreds of fabric. The, the flames, they started, they got on the stairway, started going up the stairs to the main level. People trying to run out are getting embers landing on them. Uh, a big fireball burst through the front entryway and spread through the remaining club areas, through the adjacent bar, uh, down a corridor uh, to another lounge, uh, across the central res- restaurant and dance floor. I mean, this place was big. I mean, come on, 500 people, right? If you're rated for 500 people, it's a huge place. Yeah. And these, the fire uh, I, I went across the restaurant and the dance floor as the orchestra was, was, was starting its evening show. Uh, it went faster than people could move. It, and it went faster than the smoke, right? Like the fire hit before the smoke. Uh, within within five minutes, it spread the entire in, to the entire nightclub. Some people were so instantly overcome by smoke as they sat in their seats that they were found later after the fire still holding their drinks. Wow. It's like, this is quick. This was fucking quick. Now, the main entrance was a revolving door. Oh, shit. Oh, shit is right. It was quickly rendered useless as the crowd stampeded in panic. Bodies pile up both behind both sides of the door, completely jamming it off until it finally broke. At which point, you think people uh, got got free at that point, Ron? I, I highly doubt it. No. The oxygen-hungry fire then leaped through the breach, incinerating everyone piled up at the door. Wowzer. The rush of oxygen it got from breaking the door open to let people out created another fireball that just, that just fucking incinerated people. Like, like I can't think of a, of, a, of, a, of a more horrific way for a fire to unfold. In a, in, a, in a fucking room full of people, right? Like this is just disaster time, times a hundred. There's absolutely no recourse. It's just that's it. Other avenues of escape, other than the main front door, uh, were were also useless. Side doors, like I said, been bolted shut to prevent dining dashes. Uh, a plate glass window, which people might have been able to smash open to escape, had been boarded up. Don't know why unusable uh other unlocked doors like the ones in uh the broadway lounge opened inwards oh so everybody trying to run out you couldn't get the door open because you're getting pushed against the door 
fire fire department officials did later testify that had the doors swung outwards, at least 300 people could have gotten out. Damn. Now, and it's worth noting, from nearby bars, soldiers and sailors on leave uh, rushed to assist. On, on the street, firefighters were, were taking out bodies, it got treated for burned hands, because just carrying the bodies out were burning their hands. Ooh. They were so hot. And then, since it's Boston in November, it got freezing out. And the water on the pavement froze over, the, the fire hoses fused to the ground. They had to start appropriating newspaper trucks for ambulances. It was just insanity. But it could have actually, I mean, and and it went bad, but it could have actually gone a lot worse than it did. Because this was 1942 in the height of World War II, they had several things going on. Uh, Was they had uh, the, the, the hospital were already having drills in case of like German Air Force bombing attacks, right? You already had these hospitals doing, taking steps like, okay, what if all of a sudden we have to receive a giant influx of people, hundreds of people all at once? What do right. we do? So they're prepared for mass casualty events. Yes. Yeah. And already running drills for it. And the right. Red Cross had been stockpiling blood. Okay. So, so th- those two things played a huge part in the, the amount of people that did were able to survive. And there are some really ho- heroic stories of individuals uh, that, that you can find that uh, I don't need to go into here. If, you, if you, your interest is piqued, you know, go, go look up the coconut grove fire. It's, uh, we'll have links to that in the episode description. Um, but some, some strangely very beneficial things came, came out of uh, this whole hap- the, the, this whole happening, this fire. There were two hospitals in the area, and it kind of gave medical science a window into two different things that were happening. One of the hospitals was decided, we're going to use this traditional way of treating burns, where we use this acid to, you know, we like, we fucking scrub the fuck out of the wound, and we use this acid to make it scab over. Okay, that's how they were doing burns back then. And the other hospital was like, okay, what we're going to do is use like this Vaseline and gauze and just okay. keep the wound wet. And they, you know, and that was able to show like, hey, this traditional method actually sucks compared to this new way, right? Uh, where, you know, you're not trying to dissolve off the layer. They, they also, penicillin was not used. It had just been discovered and was just on the, the forefront of of medicine and one of the hospitals used penicillin in the in in their treatment for these patients and was able to show that the use of the penicillin had way less infection which probably a better job then than now thanks to you know, antibiotic resistance right absolutely they were able because because they had this microcosm of severe burn patients that they were treating with different ways, different burn care, they were able to develop some some new techniques and they were able to show that penicillin was effective, which led the US government to adopt it. There's something called the London Browder chart. Two of the doctors who work at one of the hospitals actually came up, had to develop their own chart for estimating percent of total body surface area by burn. That chart is still used today. Outstanding. 
really, really just insane amount of safety. Uh, I know I mentioned those fire doors earlier. Yeah, now it became standard practice to be up to fire code. You have to have your fire doors open outward. You have to. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Regulations were often written in blood. And deregulation is often very reckless, in my opinion. Because, damn, look at something. You, you need not look further than the Coconut Grove fire to see how, one, fire regulations matter. They do matter. They do save lives. We had that, what was that warehouse fire in Oakland five or six years ago? I don't know if you remember that. Something very similar, similar story of a big warehouse converted into art artist lofts. And because it was so expensive to live out there, people were living in them. And it, well, none of it was up to fire code. It wasn't rated to have that many people in there. Didn't have the exits. You know, if a fire started and, and a, lot of, a lot of people died because things weren't up to fire code. It's not It's not just because it's some annoying guy wants to <laughs> show up with a clipboard and tell you what to do. Yeah, I think most major cities in this country have a, a, a fire story that, that led to, to local fire codes, new, new laws, things like that. Yeah, and, and then this one, the, the thing that happened in Oakland like they were just ignoring the code, right? This in this instance of Coconut Grove, the guy had ties. He had government ties, so they'd actually just been inspected, right? But you know, they were on the take, so the inspector getting paid off doesn't. It's kind of meaningless, anyway. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's move on and talk about some news. It's time for some news from our point of view. If we could have a lap or two, it's time for some news. All right, Ron, I know everybody's dying to hear about these bats with the giant, giant penises. That is why I am here. Yeah, I know. It's how I got you to show up to the lounge <laughs> today. The uh, uh, a male serotines bat's penis is seven times longer and wider than the female genital tract. It is one quarter of its size of the bat itself. So to put that into uh, more human terms, that would be a six foot man having an eighteen inch long cock that was seven times wider than the vagina of a, of a woman. So I'm just saying that's a girthy penis, my friend. That is a girthy penis. <laughs> so how does this species actually manage to reproduce? Similar to birds where they're just like cloaca and cloaca. It, uh, it, there's no penetration. Surface contact. It's, yeah, it's just pressed up nice and close and for a sustained amount of time. And, and it's more like an arm. Uh, almost, almost prehensile, which is the dream, right? But they got a little baby arm going there. They do. They got a fucking baby arm dick. <laughs> this bat, I'm telling you, it's insane. It's also insane is, is, is it's very more recent that they've started really documenting a lot of bat sex because I don't, I don't know. I just assumed science already got there. It's sex, right? Who doesn't want to? I mean, it's someone's fetish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 interview I read, the scientist Nicholas Faisal, he said was was laughing because he he was, thought that the his, the email he got was spam because it had the word penis in the subject. But uh, then he saw it also had the name of the the Latin name of the bat he was working on. So he was like, <laughs> okay, uh, uh, ep- Epticus. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
It's like, okay, well, may- maybe that, that feels a little too targeted for spam. Yeah, so the, the female has, uh, I don't know what the fuck you call it. Uh, they say a tail membrane. Uh, it's basically the female's got a flap covering her vulva. And the way these bats mate is the, the male will come up behind the female and bite her on the nape of the neck. And his baby arm reaches up under and around to the front. And kind of opens the flap and then presses up against the vulva. Fresh? Yeah, fresh, exactly. <laughs> Getting real fresh uh, for about one to 12 hours. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, and I'm pretty sure it's, you know, the longer you go, the studlier you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even in backcountry. According to the, that biologist, he, he was saying, yeah, it actually... Could, it could be considered a way to test the capacity of the male. If mm-hmm. the male can can stay uh, like 12 hours or more, it's a way for the female bat to be like, okay, this bat's really into it. He's not just coming and going away. So a test of endurance will have strong offspring. Uh, and and uh, presumably be a good bat dad. <laughs> yeah, so this new, new paper, new scientific paper uh, published, and you thought, you thought science was boring. Yes, you specifically, Ron. Top science was boring. Always have. Non, <laughs> non-penetrative sex does not sound hot, and, and that actually does sound boring. I'm, I'm going pa- to pass. That sounds like being Mormon in high school again, and I was it, not a good let time. Let it soak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, it's, just the tip. Just the tip. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> not for me, serotonin teen bats. Thank you. Oh, okay. All right. And in other news, they just recently published their the findings of the event actually happened in 2021, but they just this week published they observed a cosmic ray of radiation almost as strong as the oh my god particle from uh, what was it the, the 70s? Oh my god, indeed. Yes, this is. Uh, the original first oh my god particle was uh, 320 exa electron volts and this one was 240. So we don't know where these come from. This is a, a particle of so much energy uh, as far as we know nothing in our galaxy had the power to produce it. And the the particle had more energy than was theoretically possible for cosmic rays traveling to earth from other galaxies uh, according to the University of Utah. Uh that so that first mm-hmm. particle like Theoretically, it should never have existed, but then they, they, they caught another one. Fascinating. Yeah, right, right. Um, they called Ultra Cosmic Rays. They were, they were doing a routine data check on the telescope. And, of course, the guy was like, all right, what the fuck's wrong? Like, what's this reading? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, like, I, I gotta fix the fucking sensors, everybody. Plug it back in. <laughs> reboot it. Reboot it. <laughs> That's what they found. And... They appear to originate from voids and empty space. Which obviously is impossible. If that's the origin point, they can't truly be a void there, yes? <laughs> right? right. It would follow. It would follow. There is matter, mass, energy. So, so one hmm. of uh, a professor at the University of Utah and co-author of the study, John Belts, uh, I'm going to quote him and say, these events seem like they're coming from completely different places in the sky, meaning the fir- first one and this one we just saw. Um, it's not like there's one mysterious source. It could be defects in the structure of space-time, colliding cosmic strings, 
I mean, I'm just spitballing crazy ideas that people are coming up with because there's not a conventional explanation. Could it be Death Stars? <laughs> it's the laser scope for the Death Star. <laughs> they're just, they're just uh, sighting. Yeah, right. They're, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, he's saying they, they came from completely different space places. Uh, this is a grand mystery, right? Like, this doesn't fit in with what we know of physics. Like, we don't know how this cosmic ray could be so strong and where it came from. Uh, I love it. I love it. This is the kind of this is the kind of mystery that keeps scientists going, right? We've got a very real thing. It's been observed and recorded. We have the evidence. We have the data. Now, how the fuck do we explain it? The sci-fi movies that they'll make based on that premise? Um, exactly. And I think that's that, that plays to the heart of one of the things I like best about science. And I'm not actually good uh, at this myself. I'm a, I'm a fanboy here, right? It's saying, what's the evidence? And let me, let me try and understand that. Not saying, okay, here's what I believe. Let me find the evidence to support that. No, 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 no. It's, whoa, here's data and evidence that I had no fucking clue about. How do, how do we fit this in and, and how does this resonate? Truthfully, you know, uh, famously Charles Darwin, he wasn't a fucking science guy going to discover evolution on the Galapagos. No, no, no. Yeah, if I if I recall that, that is true. And <clears throat> tried to, I, I think initially probably even dismissed some of his findings. Yeah, right. <laughs> based on his, his history. That's not what's happening here. That can't That's not be. That can't be it. Oh, okay. Anyhow. All right. Let's. Uh, Let's let's uh, let's talk about some snake oil. Oh, snake oil on sale for me. Nothing but snake oil, and it ain't free. So, uh, you know, we had a good time talking about Axanar, that fan film. Ron, I came across uh, a filmmaker grift on an even grander scale. Oh, I cannot wait to hear this. Yes. Uh, Do you remember uh, Keanu Reeves' movie that bombed maybe 10, 12 years ago called 47 Ronin? I have not seen it. I've I've, uh, seen the poster, the movie poster. I know of it. (laughs) Okay. I, I never saw it. I didn't even know of it. It was directed by a guy named Carl Eric Rinch, who up until that time had only been making television commercials. It bombed critically and it bombed commercially. Somehow, this man, in the height of the streaming wars of the mid-20-teens, got Netflix and Amazon and everybody to bid on his next project. Netflix won. They gave him $61 million to make a season of a sci-fi series, okay? That's the dream. Right? That's the dream right there. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting eight figures to, to make your, your story. Uh, and, it's, and it sounds solid, you know, tried and true, called Conquests. Synthetic humans, they're running, you know, basically a living, breathing AI running our lives, but they've got a sinister purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's Good great. Stuff. That's, a, that's a, that's a, that's a great story. Tell it to me. Awesome. Like I'm, I'm on board. Follows classic formulas. Love it. Well, he 
has not even made a single episode. He signed this deal in, oh gosh, 2016? Yeah, and he, he, they gave him this money years ago, years ago. And he's asked them for more money. And he, he was like, I needed like another $11 million. And they gave it to him. The fuck? No product, no money, probably, huh? No product, no money. <laughs> well, it's not like he doesn't have money. <laughs> <laughs> they they did they had they uh, Netflix hired some forensic accountants to figure out what the fuck happened. And uh keep in mind when this New York Times piece came out, uh he he did Carl Wrench did uh release and delete a statement where uh he he was <laughs> I got to find this quote cuz it's good. Yeah, uh discuss the the article would quote discuss the fact that I somehow lost my mind. Spoiler, spoiler alert. I did not. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm, that sounds he, dubious. He may be referencing um, a, an email he sent to Netflix executives discussing, and I quote, the coronavirus signal emanating from within the earth. Oh my. Yeah. So apparently he's on a, a amphetamine called lisdexamphetamine, a prescription drug which his doctors have given him, and if taken improperly, or maybe properly, I don't know, can result in mania, hallucinations, and more. At one point on the set of this show, the whole crew had an, inter- it had an intervention for him. And uh, uh, it's it obviously went nowhere. Wild curveball in this grift at this point, Netflix is like, whatever, we wrote it off. Like, it's done. Right. We don't expect shit from this guy. Like, he got, he did it. He got away. He got away with it because they, they gave him total final cut and as part of the uh, bidding war between the streaming services, which apparently his contract, like, the way it's written, he just gets to fucking keep that money, which he, thanks to forensics accountants, we know, you know, he did the typical, like, I'm going to buy some Ferraris and shit. Uh, he also lost many, many millions in the stock market playing options. Shocked. But get this, he, he, he dropped 4 million on Dogecoin and cashed out, <laughs> he cashed out 23 million. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. When it spiked. <laughs> so he actually is one of the people that, yeah, if you're listening and you ever bought Dogecoin uh, after you know, probably around 2022, 2021. Yeah. You, you bought some of his, you made him even richer. This guy, this fucking guy. Yeah. He got over. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Quote to quote Netflix. After a lot of time and effort, it became clear. Mr. Wrench was never going to complete the project he agreed to make. And so he wrote it off. So I hope we get to see some crazy documentary about, what really he really went down <laughs> like it's some heart of darkness shit <laughs> this man and his uh, demo- yeah. like it's working your way up to like the the covid vibrations coming from the center of the earth that's that's pretty out there that's some next that's some next level paranoia man so all you got to do is make some commercials and then a shitty movie and just be in the right place at the right time apparently Ah, well, you know, when we finish with the snake oil, you know, you know what that means, Ron? What does that mean? Here we go, what do you 
check inside. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick the needle in my eye. Here's the proof that all the kids call flat check in time. All right, all right. I hope uh, I hope you've had plenty to drink and you're plenty high because we're going to do some fact-checking because <laughs> it's fact-checking time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cyber Monday. According to posts on social media, got oh. its start because everybody was shopping online at work after Black Friday. I'm going to say true fact. Correct. That is the exact origin of Cyber Monday is everybody came after the Thanksgiving weekend and Black Friday and they were like, I'm not done shopping. I'm still in the mood to spend money. I'm going to fucking online shop at work. Let it ride. Let it ride. (laughs) All right. Our next fact to be checked comes from the social media platform X. A guy, uh, a Pizzagate conspiracy theorist, Jack Posobiec, posted saying Muhammad is the most popular name in most European countries. And Elon Musk continued in, with it saying, true in most countries in Europe. He, uh, he, he also shared the claim. So, fact check that. Is Muhammad the top boy's name in most European countries? I'm going to say false. Correct. It is hey, false. It is at best the number seventh, the top seventh name. Um, it's, it's tough. Uh, 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 the, the people reached out, uh, by the Newsweek fact checking staff said, uh, it can be tough because there's so many different spellings for different names in Europe, not just Muhammad, many different spellings right. of the name Muhammad. Um, but, uh, uh, depending on where you're at, those names will have different pronunciations. So it's really tough to just compile a list of popular names. Cause no, I can see that. Yeah. My name may be Tom, but that's going to be spelled differently depending on where I am in Europe. Yep. In, in fact, I found this out with researching my own family name. In, in Britain, even Shakespeare, depending on who you were writing to, you would spell your name different. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there, I, I'm not going to get into my own last name, but yeah, there are many different spellings. I was like, how is this all the same name? But yeah, it turns out, like, like, yeah, that's just been a fucking thing. But anyway, yeah, totally <laughs> false. Fuck you, Elon Musk, for sharing, dis- buying Twitter just so you can make it your own personal disinformation platform. Your racism is speaking through. Yeah, man. I, I don't think that's healthy for the world. I think that's just an example no. of a rich billionaire making the world worse. Indeed. Okay, Ron, real controversial in this last one. Uh-oh. Fact check. Are low-sodium salts better than table salts? In a recent Instagram video, an influencer put forward several claims about salt and low-sodium salts. So, okay. So the, 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 the low-sodium salts are better for you than the, the table, table salt. salt. Yeah. I'm going to say false. It is half true. Plausible. Okay. <laughs> for one, depends on how much you consume. Uh, right. Low sodium salts, uh, they they replace, depending on what you get, they replace some or all of the, the sodium chloride or what we know to be salt. Uh, they, they often replace it with potassium chloride or other potassium compounds. Uh, and, you know, potassium chloride is, you know, it's safe to eat in moderation, just like table salt. Uh, Correct. So the, the, the problem becomes 
with uh, better for you. Like if I eat twice as many sugar-free pudding cups, is that really better for me than eating the one sugar pudding cup? I would right? venture no. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's it's that's why it's mixed. It's it's like if if you're if you're do, using a low sodium salt to to control your sodium intake, you still have to do it in moderation. You can't you can't make that as a, a like a, a reason to p- put twice as much salt on your carte blanche to load it up right yeah and i fucking love salt man oh Oh, me too it's so good spice of the gods yeah yeah i you know i'm really big in cooking and baking uh, as are you and uh i i i go online all the time on different forums and the, the it's it's pretty universal wherever you go people who know what they're talking about they're like yeah that restaurant food you want to get it at home use way more salt and butter than you ever thought you should use in your life everything gets slathered and clarified butter and yep. it's so good. Butter and salt. Use a ton of it. I'm like, yeah, no, that's my secret. That's why everybody loves my home cooking. Although I'm not as high in salt anymore. Thanks, Doc. Damn it. Uh, I should say, thank you, nurse practitioner, not the doctor that was like, well, let's just pull up this AI and ask it questions. Lazy dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get something. Let's get some feel good going on. All right. Um, Ron, I don't know if you managed to completely dodge the Rona. I did not. I got it Uh, twice. I have uh, as yet not had the Rona, knock on wood. I think it's, uh, what, under 20% of the U.S. population have never had it, something like that. Yeah, well well done, by the way. Well done. Knock on wood. So far, so good. Um, I had it twice and the second time it took away my sense of smell and things tasted weird and luckily i very quickly when i I, when i was better it cleared up for me fantastic yeah scary as 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 we know many people it did not ever clear up for them a lot of people it did any anyway uh, using an image-guided, minimally invasive procedure, scientists now believe they're going to be able to completely cure people who've lost their smell from COVID-19. Out fucking standing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lead author uh, and professor Adam Zoga said that uh, it's the the corona parosmia, as it's called, loss of sense of smell. Um, it's being recognized increasingly and, and we know it affects how you taste things. Like when you can't smell, you taste everything different. The big part of it. Absolutely. Um, so they, that what they've been doing is they've been injecting anesthetic directly into the stellate ganglion on one side of the neck to stimulate the autonomous nervous system. Uh, and they do this using CT, uh, a CT scan. So there's a specific nerve that they're they're injecting anesthetic directly into. Takes less they're, than ten minutes. They're rebooting it, huh? Yes. No sedation necessary. And they've all actually also found that that anesthetizing this nerve can uh, help 
people with their cluster headaches, phantom limb pain, uh, Raynaud and Meniere syndromes, angina, and cardiac arrhythmia. So this this wow. stellate ganglion nerve <laughs> is uh, involved in a lot of stuff. I never even heard of it until today. Damn. Um, so so they, they did also, they added a small dose of a corticosteroid to that anesthetic suspecting there may also be some inflammation in the nerve. So of the data from 37 patients, 22 of them reported improved improved symptoms within one week. Of those 22, 18 reported uh, significant improvement by one month post-procedure. Wow, that's that's amazing. It's uh it's 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 just some feel good shit, right? It's not a new drug or anything. It's it's just a discovering a new application for existing drugs. Science. Science. It's amazing. I like it. I hope you like it as much as I do. In fact, I'd say it's a big part of the inspiration for doing the show that we're doing. Is uh, Indeed it is. My love for science. I I once took an astronomy class and the teacher was like, are you going to go on and study astronomy? Dan, science needs you. And I was like, I'm not a scholar. I just took this class because I like astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting my business degree, man. I'm a hobbyist, damn it. I'm a hobbyist. I got to make money. I, there's no money in science unless you get in bed with big corporations. And then that's not science, is it? It's a little less science. You're just a huckster at that point. You're Dr. Oz. I'm, I hope I'm pissing off a lot of really well-meaning scientists developing amazing drugs for giant corporations. <laughs> Come on the show. Tell me about it. Please. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, before we get to our closing number, I'd like to thank Wayne Enterprises. When you think veg- vigilante justice, thank Wayne Enterprises. Always will. Always got to give a shout out to science, congeniality, and the social contract, making society better than anarchy for many of the last thousands of years. Uh, and and folks, just thanks for making it to the end with us. We had a good time, and we hope you did too. We want you to Go have a continue to have a great time and a wonderful day and uh, tell someone out there about us. Somebody needs us. Uh, you can, of course, find us over on our website. Uh, we got links to the Discord, the episode description. Uh, and uh, just thanks for stopping by and, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Now things are ending. It's time to go. No more to get through. Thanks for listening. That's our show. Ain't affectation. Oh, we're just leaving you half cocked, half cocked, half cocked. We had a good time talking today, but even best times eventually they fade away. Ain't adjuration, oh, we're just leaving half cocked.